Welcome to The Science of Fiction, and we're joined today again, as usual, by Will. Hi, how's it going? We're also joined by Rachel Kennelly. Hello! Rachel's here to talk about the environment. Oh, I thought she was just here to be an Oxford graduate. <laughs> but this apparently makes three of us. So we have this uh, Cambridge-affiliated radio station with three Oxford graduates. So. Uh, and we, we have one gentleman sitting at the back, if you want to say hi. Hello. You're going to have to talk up a bit louder than that. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, so... That, that was, in case it wasn't obvious, the uh, theme to Flood from They Might Be Giants' 1990 album Flood, which is not brand new anymore. <laughs> not, 1990 isn't the present? No, I don't think so. When, where's my hovercar, then? Um, I don't think... It, they didn't talk about hovercars in 1990. Did they? Uh, well, They Might Be Giants didn't. They talked about um, g- glowing light bulbs, for comfort, comfort lights for children. Oh. Um, I don't think they talked, they talked at all about floods in the entire album, actually. Um, so I think the name was basically misleading. Uh, they talked about move, moving chairs and sapphire bullets of pure love. And it's uh, That just sounds <laughs> like an innuendo. Oh, all this reminds me. I saw a great innuendo at the weekend. I, I love it. So we were in a shop looking for books for my daughter for Christmas because she, she has an obsession with books. She can't read them. She's only 18 months, but... You know, cardboard kid books, loves bringing them over to you and making you read them for her. Reads the first page and runs off. We came across the ultimate book. Now, Osborne will have a range of touchy-feely books. And this is fine, you know, touchy-feely Christmas. That, that would be fine. No, we found the touchy-feely Santa. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure someone knew what that meant. <laughs> that just seems like an unwise title. Never mind. Never mind. Um, that's just how my mind works. <laughs> Did you buy it? No. Okay, well, that's good. It, it made sounds, though. Sanity has, sanity has prevailed. Right, so what are we talking about today? Well, Rachel. Okay, so today we are going to talk about various environmental themes and warnings and parallels in fiction. So are we, are we talking just like, you know, films showing the, the end of everything or some more subtle things as well? A bit of both. So generally environmental themes, resource use, um, environmental catastrophes, they appear in absolutely tons of fiction in films, in books, everything from the very thinly veiled like Avatar to um, background environmental pressures in some Philip K. Dick books. So there's a whole range. And and, and also as um, major game mechanics in many um, real-time strategy games. Oh yes. (laughs) Okay, I I just want to get this clear. You you might be able to answer for me. 2012, is it all going to end? I really don't think it is. I think there's gonna, it's not going to be a good year, what with the Olympics and is it Euro 2012 as well? And lo- it's the Jubilee and it's not going to be a happy year particularly, but uh, yeah, um, so, so the world is not going to end. I We're going to be sat in front of our TVs all summer. I love that those are that those are all things you think are worse next year than they've potentially continued economic crisis. Yeah, that might mean, happen as well, but... I guess they're new yeah. catastrophes as opposed to... Uh, to keep the entire nation glued to their TVs. Well, one thing I don't get about the fact the main calendar comes to an end is do, do they just have a really really long calendar that spell everything out or did, have they how can you run out of numbers what was special about the calendar I don't think uh, it actually ends uh, this year as such it's just that it's it's cyclical on a very very long cycle and the cycle ends well, yeah, the, 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 well the, the the rules for calculating how long days and things are or months and things are like like loop back 
Like, oh, okay. So it's not, well, you know, the, so, the, the rules for calculating the date of Easter are, is cyclical, but we don't say the world's going to end each time Easter. Well, I was going to say, every year I buy a new calendar, world's not yet ended. That's true. Very Though true. I normally wait till the new year because they're all cheaper because everyone buys them as Christmas presents. Very wise. It means there's two weeks I don't know what I'm doing for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, now, now we. This is this is what happens with our highly, highly planned shows. We can jump into a topic because I actually don't know what's coming up. Uh, we can jump into a topic or jump into a track. I think we should jump into a track. We'll jump into a track, and I better put the fader up before I do that. You own the place when really you've only just arrived I caught first glimmers and hides and skins Look who's all grown up Black swanning about the solar winds You're gonna lose it all and find yourself on your knees So get a grip and you might flow Reverse the great slow bleed I've tried patience but you always want to war This house won't tolerate anymore Stop this right away This is not a fire drill, and if we hold any hope, it's harmonic connection in stereo symbiosis. These Legoland empires choking out mine. Now you're everywhere, everywhere, multiplying around me, child. A strain on my heart. This rock can't tolerate anymore. Stop this right away.
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm so welcome back to the science of fiction um and remember you can always email in at studio at camfm.co.uk or you can use the web form on camfm.co.uk and apparently you can text us if you start your message with cam to 8089 as in 80809 and text cost 10p you can also phone studio but hey i don't know how to pick it up so you could phone but no one will answer well uh, i think it flashes and scares me okay and there's a fader for you okay well, that, please, please, well you, you could phone and we'll see what happens yeah yeah so that was uh, Earth by Imogen Heap from her album uh, Ellipse. Um, it's like why it's relevant is pretty obvious, but um, one thing I really like about it, which is not relevant at all, is that the only instrument in that song is the voice of Imogen Heap. Um, she does like, some, like something like 200, 240 samples of her voice over and over again. Like all the beatboxing is her, all the harmonies are her. And the album comes with a second CD, which is the instrumental version of all the tracks. And I was really hoping it would just be three and a half minutes of silence, but unfortunately, it's just it's it's all the well, fortunately, it's all the vocal parts which are not which are not the, the singing. So. Okay, so we've got some emails in. Um, you might have to explain some of these to me if they make any sense. Uh, good picture here in Provence. We have, I guess we have a, we have a listener in, listener in France. Hello, Rachel too? Question mark? Question mark? Yes, Rachel's here. Yep. Okay. Uh, great opening jingle. That was a good one. Thanks. We, we, we thought so. Yeah. Uh, I hope one of you is going to do the Earth song dance for us later. We forgot to bring some. T- we can go, we can go and find like find some trees and bring them down here and <laughs> stand stand in front of the webcam and hope that you know that you happen to get the frame where we're being buffeted backwards by these by the wind. Didn't we purposefully veto the Earth song? I'm not a fan of the Earth no. song. I, I I can do a good impression of a tree. You can do it for free. Okay, yep. so, 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 yeah. so, so one of us has to grip onto you and apparently be blown away by. <laughs> well, this is what we, we can do this in the intervals. Like, so, if you, so keep keep watching while, while while we're playing songs. Yeah, you're gonna have to watch webcam because yeah. really, really, dancers don't work on radio. Particularly, yeah, yeah. Let's let's we'll, 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 we'll see we'll see if we can rustle something up for you. Yep. Okay. So 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 yeah. So we, we, um, Rachel mentioned towards the start of the show that um, there are actually quite a few video video games which have mechanics around uh, the environment Um, so one example is Civilization 3 which I didn't dare play because I'm pretty sure Civilization would destroy my life I've got a copy for the iPhone it was free it was like randomly free for a while then went back to five quid and it, it destroyed my productivity at work because I just ended up playing on it at work yeah, I spent years of my university life on Civ 4, years that I cannot get back. But Civ 3 is apparently um, is a game I haven't played, actually, but I am reliably informed that it involved a mechanic where the more you polluted in the game through industry and other economic development, etc., um, the higher the sea levels rose, the more polluted your land became, which was obviously quite a... Not at all. Then he veiled quite an obvious parallel to pollution. And so, so I think, like for for those who don't know what civil how civilization works, it's a we uh, are still talking about a computer game, right? Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone knows how civilization works, but um, the, the video game is a turn turn based strategy game, and you 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 bring your tribe of people from being a tribe in you know, uh, pre, you know, you know, some year in the past, and you you gradually build up industry and cities and develop new technologies and. The game covers, you know, millennia of uh, progress. As far as we can work out, the game is basically an excuse for committing genocide against every other race on the planet. But often it's, you know, the the, the, the Aztecs who live in Sweden, you know, and their, and their capital city is uh, Bermuda, or, you know. So it's 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 so g- g- genocide of fictional races. If if that is that more ethically acceptable, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, but they do go off and live on Alpha Centauri or something. They do. That's one, yeah, one way of winning. You can win the space race and go and live on Alpha. 
Proxima or Alpha Centauri, or you can win, my preferred way of winning is that you win the diplomatic win, which is where everybody votes that they want you to rule the world, which, which is, frankly is kind of a bit of a benign dictator sort of thing, which I'm, you know, I'm quite into that. I, I like I'm, winning that way. I'm into benign dictators. Yeah. They, they don't exist, but... No. Well, have you come across Liechtenstein's politics? No. Very interesting. He Ooh. He's a voted-in dictator, I believe. Huh. Well, that's essentially how I win Civ. Yeah. Every time. Liechtenstein, though, is a very small country. I've only been there once, and I ended up in a goth bar. Huh. So, so one of the one of the th- if we dragging ourselves back from goth bars to uh, to to the to the <laughs> environment. Um, so one of the one of the um, I guess one of the nice things about having the sea levels rise uh, with pollution is that it doesn't just affect uh, your own cities, I assume. Exactly. So yeah, it's actually quite a good um, example of tragedy of the commons, which is a principle where um, with a shared resource like say the original example is the commons if you have lots of different people individuals using that resource they are it's best for them to take as much as they possibly can from that resource and to not manage it efficiently Mm -hmm. um, or not be the only one managing it efficiently and so in civ um what happens is different if even though you may run a very green kind of civilization game and not pollute your land much if all the other civs on the planet are doing that then the sea levels still rise and so there's almost a race to the bottom sort of scenario where it's better to get as much industry out of sooner as well yeah exactly so it makes it's a whole new level to the game which of course is you know is a, is a, kind, of, is a kind of question that's arising in the real world because of you know as the developing world develops um there's a question of whether they should be held to the same environmental standards as the developed world or whether well you know our industrial revolution was, pre- was pretty dirty so you know yeah, exactly. maybe everyone else's one should be as well exactly so we do have um charge of the commons with say air quality that even though if we pollute or as we have as kind of industrialized nations have done polluted the air much more than non-industrialized nations but the air quality all over the world still goes down or climate change it's also so. chemtrails What's a chemtrail? Uh, everyone's going to be blindly. Okay, you know how when planes fly through the air, they condense water and get these white trails? They do. They're chemtrails. Ooh. All the planes carry huge amounts of chemicals to poison us. Marvellous. That may be a conspiracy theory. Yeah. But it's, it's, <laughs> they're not, it's, they're, they're, uh, to, to clarify, they're not chemtrails, they're contrails, and they are water, water vapour. You, you, you say that, but really, go on YouTube and search for chemtrail. Well, not propaganda. Okay, also go on YouTube and search for the royal family of lizards. Well, David Icke is a very big proponent of that theory. I mean, it's a, it's a valid theory that maybe they are. Although, why, if you were a seven foot lizard, you'd dress up in a five and a half foot human body? It would just be uncomfortable. I find the idea of the queen with a lizard just hilarious. I like the idea that yeah, when they close the curtains at Buckingham Palace, they all kind of shed their em- skins, yeah, emerge and slither around with the yeah, amongst all the crowns and yeah. <laughs> The crowns probably wouldn't fit their heads as well, you know. It's the shape. The shape's all wrong. The shape is all wrong. It's just. It's just a challenge of physics. So, um, so assuming lizards don't have anything to do with our carbon dioxide increasing. So you, you've put down at Minecraft that great game which seems to serve absolutely no purpose. Yeah. Uh, how, how does Minecraft work? Have either of you played it? No, because no. I think it would actually destroy my life. I've pa- watched my boyfriend play it, and it seems. To have destroyed relatively. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is Not it good? Totally less, less, pointless. Less. But do you get some peace and quiet when he plays it? Relatively. Excellent. See, all I know is you basically log onto a server, which can be your own or one of the Minecraft ones, and then you can, um, as far as I work out, go around mining stuff and build pointless things, which may resemble something in another game, but really badly done because it's all very blocky. 
Some and that's some, cool. Some of, it, some, of, some of the things people seem to create in it are pretty cool. Um, well, it can build working computers, can't it? Because like, yeah, some yeah. of the blocks can drop and stuff. So it, there used to be an old game called Dwarf Fortress, I believe, which had the same feature. Mm, uh, nice. mm. But Dwarf Fortress was like 2D, and like the dwarf was the letter D, and a wall was a black blob. Okay, well, that's probably less le- less convincing than being able to build Nyancat uh, in this virtual world. You are obsessed with but Nyan-Kat, so, so, but you know, so, so, so Minecraft is, is mining in the name, so presumably there's some kind of like environmental fallout from from this. Yeah, so I think, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can also burn stuff in Minecraft. I've seen I've, I've seen flames. In yeah, screenshots. there's flames in Minecraft. I've seen fire. Awesome. Um, Very so, square. Right, so far, um, but somebody has made and you can also plant trees in minecraft as well and somebody has made a mod for minecraft that accesses one of the climate science departments one of the universities in america i forget which one and takes pollution data from them oh really so, 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 so it's not just you know burning makes this 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 counter go up and planting trees music no, it's made on actual data that's really cool actual data um and so as you burn things and different materials release different amounts of pollution in minecraft um and so as you burn different stuff trees cows coal what burn are, cows apparently you can burn cows well you, you can burn a cow the cows protest <laughs> um no they just kind of carry on as normal i think <laughs> you, but those, listeners do not try this at home <laughs> no you've just realized of course before oil wells were used for oil of course most of the fuel came from whales Huh. We used to burn whales, and oh, yeah, paraffin well, was a replacement. Whale oil was used for, for for lighting and stuff. Yep. We definitely used to use the whole reason why, I think, as well, um, that cows were first, they're not native to Britain, and they were first imported not for food, but for tallow, which really? is their fat, so for burning for candles and stuff. So, yeah, you can definitely burn cows. And then someone realised, hey, there's this enormous carcass, we yeah, should probably eat steak. it. Um, and make shoes. And, and shoes. make vegans cry, I think, by this point in the conversation. <laughs> But so, sorry, you don't have listeners. to burn the cows. But yeah, in Minecraft, you can, as you burn things, then the pollution level in the atmosphere and the water, I think as well, um, goes up and you can then balance this off by planting trees in the game to bring the pollution level back down. Okay, you can all, so this planting tree green offsetting thing is something that companies do all the time, say so we're yeah. carbon neutral. It sounds like a load of rubbish to me because if you cut down a nice pretty forest and put some really fast growing rubbish wood trees, that isn't really environmentally friendly. In my opinion, no. I think it's um, probably a for you know it's it's corporate social responsibility. It's kind of a bit of a greenwash. There are things you could be doing that would be much better, like not producing the emissions in the first place. So prevention rather than cure would obviously be better. Yes. But. Okay. Um, someone's just in the email going. Surely coal from Wales. I think this is a pun on you know. Um, Oil from oil from Wales, uh, oh. coal from the country Wales. <laughs> now I get uh, that's, that's actually pretty good. Thank you. That's actually, <laughs> thank, thank you, you, you We've got to remember is your email comes in maybe just after the comments gone, and sometimes <laughs> <laughs> we can need context. We really do. Um, but thank you for sending them. They're always brilliant. So yeah, keep sending them in. Uh, studio at camfm.co.uk. We're going to go over to our next track now before we move on to talking about uh, raccoons and their genitalia. Well, I slept on the solid ground near your house And it felt just like a barbell wrapped in a shirt When I slept on the solid ground near your house I could feel it 
city, your station, your Cambridge, your Cam FM. Hello, and that was Solid Ground by Maps and Atlases. A, a, a beautiful, beautiful song, and has a great video um, where the lead singer, who has a lustrous beard, this is a video full of beard. Yeah, he's he's, he's kind of floating around in a boat, uh, sort of lying, sort of arms arms folded, looking kind of messianic almost. So, Rachel, where do you form beards? Pro beards or against beards? I am massively pro beard. Does your boyfriend have a beard? Yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, uh-uh, beards. Right, I can't grow a beard. Right. <laughs> It's a good thing I'm married, really, because if I was going to hit on you, I just totally failed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently I'm in the minority on the pro beard front, but you know. But you're on the radio, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> dear d- d- listener, who says, "Come on, you can do a better Jacko impression than that." That was not our Jacko impression. <laughs> but We're saving the Jacko impression up. But apparently, someone did say you did do a good accidental tree light picture on the webcam um, a while ago. Okay, well, well we, we could we could try just like standing sort of in a sort of T shape and or with our arms at particular angles. In, in the gap for, I, I had uh, actually forgotten that we were going to do that we will do that we will do that we'll we tell you before the song that we're going to try and do a Jackson okay we, we, we will invite webcam event we'll do it during the next song it will completely not go at all but we'll see, we'll see how that goes it will be awful right okay so so so, um, so Solid Ground is about being not in the water um, and of course uh, the water rising was something which seems to be a complaint in people's lives so why is the water going to rise um, Rachel why is the water going to rise most people get this wrong Rachel will probably get it right to annoy me what? No, no. Do you know? Is it? Do I, is there an answer that well, I the, don't the, know the, about? The, 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 the standard answer is because you know ice caps are going to melt, and I presume that's wrong. Yes. Okay. So, well, the uh, if the Arctic melts because it's floating on water, it has ah, an effect on the water level because the it decreases in size and it's displacing exact size of its own mass. So, what that basically means is you have the same amount of water you started with, so nothing changes. Apart from the, polar, the, the polar bears aren't very happy, but... The polar bears end up having to learn to swim very well, which they're not that great on 24 hours a day. Yeah. And it's pretty cold, I hear. Apparently. Is it then because of the tundra melting? N- well, it could be, but the first thing is a thermal expansion of water. Ooh. Ah, I And see. that also means the salinity of the sea drops. Which is a big issue. Yes, so fishies like their salt. Well, and certain fishies do, some fishies don't. And we can wave goodbye to our lovely maritime climate in the Gulf Stream. Which would be a shame. Mm. What, what would we get instead? Would it rain more or less? We would have a more continental climate, which means it would be drier but colder. Okay. Well, so that just sounds like it just sucks even more than it yeah. already does. Yeah, so think um, Russian steppe sort of climate. Mm. It wouldn't be all that fun. I mean, like, the, they're having lots of, like, you know, fires and hot drinks. Part I, would, <coughs> I would probably enjoy, but the... Uh... Yeah, we could turn into, like, a vodka-making nation and... Mm-mm. That one might be fun. So what would happen to Scotland? Because <laughs> um, they've already got the worst weather in the United <laughs> Kingdom. It might dry up a bit. Will they get less flies? Have you I'd ever been in Scotland in summer? It is just fly central. Just full of flies. Um, Midges. Maybe. Everyone's favourite creatures. Although but then, if things do get warmer, there's also... Um, which is a concern, apparently, for local councils at the moment, is that um, there's an increase in biting insects like mosquitoes due to the warmer weather. Oh, so I thought you were going to say there's a chance of zombie invasion, because I keep talking about, our oh, council's prepared for zombie invasion. I didn't know if there was a heat trend to that. I presume not. I like to think that if zombies were in warmer climates, they might rot a bit quicker, and hence probably wouldn't be such a big issue. So that sounds as plausible a reason as any. Yeah, why not? Let's go for that. But yeah. So, um... And the, the, the other side of the coin. So this is we were saying what what happens to Scotland when, as a result of the water rising, um, the climate has changed. Well, 
the Scotland, I guess, is one of the is, is, is a part which, of part of the of the British Islands which actually survive a bit longer as the water levels rise. Um, there's a novel by Stephen Baxter called Flood, uh, which uh, I think you can probably guess what the premise of the novel is. Um, but one of the nice things about it is he describes he describes over the course of the novel as the water levels gradually rise to submerge every piece of the landmass on the planet. Um, he sort of goes through all the places which are now underwater, and you see how how the people react because you know uh, temp- temperate grazing ground for example, ceases to exist pretty quickly and people have to sort of try and fortify on hills and as a result, you know, um, people have to turn to, you know, to less cooperative, more kind of military um, methods and limit numbers who can fit in these smaller, higher places. Yeah, so this is a theme that is picked up in quite a few books, I suppose, from environmental pressures, whether that's a land pressure, mm-hmm. like that one, whether it's um, a population pressure, similarly, whether it's food or um, in... A book I read recently, which is John Christopher's Death of Grass, is a food pressure brought brought on by a disease that kills out all grass family plant species. So oats, rye, rice, wheat, barley. And a lot of the things on which livestock graze. Exactly. And my lawn. Yes, your lawn would be gone, I'm afraid. I've worked so hard on that. Yeah. There'd also be no bread or cake. Which <laughs> no, ca- sorry, sorry, you said bread. Didn't care. Cake. Cake. They specifically mention it in the book. They're like, no, cake, first thing to go. So how do people how do people react re- react to this um, like food shortage? I mean, I guess there's, there's a lot of ways you could react, one, one of which would be to be hungry. Make brioche. <laughs> Make brioche. <laughs> so um, some people react in the... Or don't react. They kind of uh, go for the... It'll all be fine, I suppose. The very British way, stiff upper lip, we'll ride this one out. Keep calm and carry um, on. Exactly, keep calm, carry on. The cake will come back. Um, whereas other people, and as the situation progressively gets worse, um, descend into mainly horrific acts of violence to protect their own family. Mm-hmm. No, nothing wrong with horrific acts of violence to protect one's own family? Mm, maybe. Uh, it's, it's a society method. It is. I mean, it's, 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 it's a probably an effective way of, pre- of preserving small groups at the expense of um, any cooperation. And an event like cooperation is one of the only things which allows like society, like, like modern society to scale, right? Yeah, it ultimately... We've got a concerned listener. If there's no cake, will there still be custard? Custard. Well, for, 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 custard, for custard, you need milk, right? Yeah. And so you can't have cows because all, all the stuff that the cows graze on. And no, we can feed cows on insects or something. And I guess, I guess so. And Mushrooms, chickens? possibly. Yeah, I mean, carnivorous cows are scary, but, you know, as long as we get the custard. Chances are, we could still do custard. If Before society breaks down, obviously, once society's broken down, custard probably not top of the priority list. But Well, you can use custard as a form of torture as well. Really? Well, I mean, I'm not a big fan of that, custard, is, is, but is, is, I wouldn't... Is custard boarding a much more <laughs> bourgeois form of waterboarding? <laughs> Or shark infested custard. No, wait, that's a bad joke, isn't it? Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. How about oh. fish fingers and custard? Not a fan. No. Okay. No, that, that's Time Lord only. Yeah, I appreciate the Doctor Who reference, but no, that's not tasty. Um, but no, I'm sure like people could still make custard, but it would probably be such an expensive luxury, yeah. which I suppose is how environmental pressures are actually going to be more likely to affect us rather than great catastrophic disasters um, it's more likely that you know food is going to rise and we're going to dairy particularly stuff like that is going to get more and more expensive and thus custard is going to become not an everyday treat you might have to start rationing your custard that's a shame yeah so, so what was this about raccoons are the raccoons under some kind of environmental pressure so I believe the film we're talking about is Pompeii 
Pompoco? Pompoco. Though it does look like in the font on my notes um, to be porn poco. Yeah. 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 I did yeah. notice that. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, but, but I downloaded it anyway. You, you, you bought it from a legitimate I bought it from a legitimate source. Yes. You downloaded it from Netflix or sex yes. or Love Film or something. It's fine. Good. Continue. All of those places. So, yeah, Pompoco is a Studio Ghibli uh, film, and Studio Ghibli is like what Disney should be. It really... I mean, Disney don't make good cartoons. Do they make cartoons? They don't make cartoons anymore. Well, they, they, they do. It's called Pixar. Uh, but they're not cartoons. They're CG. Oh, uh, fair. Okay. I mean, I like my... You mean, so you mean, like, ha- hand-drawn animation? Well, something that resembles it. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how yeah. hand-drawn it is. But yeah, so they make really good cartoons now. They've just got one out now, which is based on the borrowers, I think. Oh, yeah. That looks, that looks pretty, pretty interesting. It looks cool. Cinema so, next week? No. So, um, Pompoko is... Presumably, uh, is it for children? It is, and this is what's really weird. So it's about giant raccoons in the translation, though apparently the giant raccoon is a bad mistranslation of some word, which is like giant tra- ja- raccoon in Japanese means like a breed of dog, which I have no idea of. Okay. It's like, but it's, you know, they're, they're subtitles as raccoons. And it's like, apparently the Tokyo's expanding and taking over home and they're unhappy. But it's got this really weird side theme that apparently foxes and raccoons in it can like turn into other animals. Yeah, they shapeshift. And apparently this is based on some Japanese folklore. Okay. That they're sneaky and cunning and mischievous animals. And they can, yeah, shapeshift into humans or objects or anything you like but for some reason there is this continuing obsession in the movie of their testicles a very prominent obsession <laughs> so what is it just like gratuitous close ups one of the well, things one no, of the no. things I don't like about if Studio you Ghibli films is they often have you know very long lingering pans across a very beautiful b- landscapes <coughs> but the pans add nothing except for what, a minute and a half to the duration of the film so, I'm, so I should be expecting a long pan down a raccoon well no the sort of thing you get is all the raccoons are sitting there having tea at towards the elderly raccoon is talking to them they're on their rug having you know very much and Picnic and, and every every aspect of these raccoons is just you know it's just present. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, 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 no. You, the the point is the elderly raccoon has shape shifted his testicles into uh, rug. I see. It's this it's is pretty. Yeah, or, or if you this is an unusual reaction to an, to environmental pressures. <laughs> and if one, if so, like if they want to fly through the air, they just jump off a building and shape shift their um, testicles into parachutes okay but the movie's got a really good point it is about the inv- how animals have to change their lifestyle because I do believe that the Americans just learn to live in the city this, is, this, is, this reminds me of the animals of Farthing Wood which I've forgotten existed yes yeah I suppose it's kind of a much more surreal and genitalia focused version of animals of Farthing Wood good yeah oh, we've apparently been told this debate is araldite which uh, is a kind of extremely sticky glue I'm not sure what exactly <laughs> uh, yeah I I, I, how does, I think that's a compliment let's say it's a compliment okay Okay. Um, interesting fact about Aldar I seem to remember it's the same thing that was used as the heat shield on the Apollo capsules that is interesting they did not use testicles to do (laughs) re-entry excellent should we we move along to some beautiful sounds well I was going to talk about Avatar or should we move on to other other works of environmental degradation well isn't Avatar just like Fern Gully with guns Avatars are like is, is, is a lot of things in space with guns. Like it's Pokemon hunters in space. It's all these other things. But it's, yeah, it seems like it's basically you know, um, it's not subtle at all, right? It's you know, here, here are these people who are living peacefully in harmony with nature, and then the bad Americans come along and yeah, they try and disrupt everything because they're greedy. And ultimately, they, they if they if they succeeded, they'd actually fail, and then you get nothing. And back back to the tragedy of the commons, I guess. Yeah. So the infringement of. Um Ecosystems and environment and etc. And for some reason, all species on the planet can put their tails together and get a brain link. Yeah. Which is also what they do when they get 
they get a bit frisky. Yeah, and also, yeah. The, also they can so they, they, they can leap onto pterodactyls from greater heights and fly. Well, I can do that. Okay, well, we can. Do, but let's demonstrate that uh, right after we've demonstrated yeah, uh, the, Earth, the Earth, song, uh, Earth song dance. Okay, we're going to do Michael Jackson. We have this track is four minutes thirty-one seconds long. Point zero five. That should be long enough for two impressions. Two impressions. <laughs> that's all yep. we can do. Okay.
online, camfm.co.uk, on air, 97.2, and across Cambridge, your CamFM. Welcome back, and this is the Science of Fiction. Uh, with, with a new focus on interpretive dance. Uh, yeah, if you did look at the webcam, I hope you enjoyed that. It made no sense to us. We've taken photos, so um, yeah, we'll put them somewhere. On, we have a blog on the CamFM website, so I'll try and put them on there. If not, we'll put them on some Facebook event. The event, the event we have this week. Yes. Somewhat yes. ironically, that song was called When I Grow Up um, <laughs> by Fever Ray, who is perhaps best known as the vocalist for The Knife. Um, who who are The Knife? They are a Scandinavian um, minimalist uh, dance duo, I guess you call them. Yeah, dance is a kind of, it's kind of not dancey, it's kind of uh, gloomy. I don't know. It's, they're quite interesting. Um, the next track on that album, which is not quite as good, um, is called Dry and Dusty, which brought us to uh, everyone's favourite sci-fi classic, Dune. That is one very long movie. And book. I've never, I've never made my way through any of the movies or any of the TV shows. I've read a lot of, the, I've read about five of the novels, and they went steeply downhill after the first one. So I recommend that anyone who's looking for some classic sci-fi read the first Dune novel by Frank Herbert, and then ignore every other one. Okay, um, yeah, because they made a mini TV series as well, didn't they? Yeah, I'm, I'm told that one of the TV series is good, but mm. I haven't dared. You've got to risk many, many hours of your life trying to find it. The weird thing, of course, about the movie I've seen is it, it had um, Captain Picard in it. Oh, really? Yep. In, in his role as Captain Picard? I don't know. We can't quite see Rachel unless she's grown a beard to encourage others. Uh, yeah, re- unfortunately, Rachel is out, is out of the frame. Yeah, I'm hiding in the corner. Well, I'm confused by this. No one in the studio have a beard. Oh, I suppose Will could be cleared out. This, 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 yeah, this, this is a work in progress beard. He's work- working on it. Is this, is this November? Well, it kind of part, it's partly. I mean, obviously, it's, it's breaking the rules of November because for November, you have to only have a mo and you can't have. It can't join at the bottom and it can't join your sideburns, and mine does both. Uh, but it's kind of a, you know, a conveniently co timed with November beard. Okay. So we'll see how that goes. So, yes, yeah, so we're talking about natural resources. Uh, Dune obviously had its spice. And it was so, yeah, so for people who haven't, who haven't seen or read or any of these things, Dune is set on this planet called Arrakis, which is a desert planet, and there's a very... Uh, there's a, um, a spice called spice. It's, it's kind of a drug, um, which is described as smelling a bit like cinnamon. Um, it's, it allows people to see into the future a bit and get a bit high and have blue eyes, but it's incredibly so, addictive. No, no, wait. He could think that it smelt a bit like cinnamon, but couldn't be bothered to give it a name. Well, he gave it a name. It was called Spice. That's a oh, rubbish I think maybe, name. Maybe the Fremen have a name for it. No, they don't. The Fremen are the, na- the, the native people. So we're back kind of into Avatar land, right? Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of... I never quite understood why Avatar got lambasted so much for being essentially Pocahontas in space, whereas... It's, equal, it's, equally, it's equally exactly the same thing. June, but blue. Yeah. So, you know. It is much bluer. Yeah. But so... Um, yeah, so I guess so I guess it's it's a it's a pretty good example of, the, of this kind of this well not scarce resource but difficult to extract resource. Yes, with significant downsides because it is spices addictive, mm-hmm. and we think it's withdrawal can cause death. Yeah, withdrawal can cause death, and um, also the the process of extracting it like damages the ecosystem quite dramatically. So uh, the spice turns out to be linked with some of the uh, animals of uh, planet Arrakis in interesting ways. Um, I remember giant worms. Yeah, and, and, and you know, anatomically invisible worms, but you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know about any more than that <laughs> to me today. We've had too many. I didn't mean like that. No, no, I, I don't want to ask. Um, right, so, I mean, this was also linking into something else, and I'm going to play a clip here from a computer game. Um, and it's called Command and Conquers Tiberian, and um, here's Kane's explanation, apparently, into what Tiberium is. Here you see Tiberium. 
Some say it is the root of all that we fight for, but the wise man will judge for himself. So yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't very explicit, but um, partly he says here you see it, and even on the video, he doesn't actually show any. But the point is, it's the main resource of the um, Tiberian, well, sorry, all the Command and Conquer series, apart from all the spin-offs. Well, and the, and the prequel. So Red Alert was set in the Second World War. Is Red Alert a prequel or yeah, just it's, an alternative? It's a, it's a prequel to uh, Command and Conquer. Spoiler alert, Kane appears at the end of it. Oh, okay. But anyway, so um, it's kind of a, li- a little similar to The Spice, right? Yeah, so I, I, think I, I think I'm not making this up. I might be making this up. I do do that occasionally. Um, that... Tiberium was actually based on spice, as in that it's a kind of organic resource that kind of um, is the primary resource in Command and Conquer, I think, or primary yeah, it's, energy it's, source. It's, 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 it's the resource. It, yeah. it becomes money, so it becomes, and it's a real-time strategy, so that money is everything, really. Yeah, and it is a... Um, harmful in that it has side effects that kill you, eventually, I believe. Yeah, if you walk your little troops through it, they go, it's get a bit sick. I mean, like, this, this kind of has. A, but let's have a bigger. It's kind of an analog to pretty much every uh, energy resource we have. I mean, like coal, yeah, coal, coal and oil gradually damage the environment, uh, so it you know, in, indirectly uh, affects us negatively. Um, whereas, I guess, no, I mean, nu- nuclear power is in general incredibly safe, but the res- the materials being used are potentially. Very deadly. Yeah, in close contact. Yeah, okay. Some sure. downsides. Which, which, is, which is the same with Tiberian, right? In 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 the game, you send harvesters in to pick, to pick it up, and that's fine. But if you have um, people on foot walking on it, then that's you know yeah. disastrous. So it's kind of similar. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, close proximity to coal burning and oil burning isn't too great for you either. Right. I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and, and like people working in mines had yeah. had uh, lung diseases as well. Of course, there's the strange but and often not common thing that coal power stations give out more radiation than nuclear reactors. Interesting. Oh, didn't know that. They give it as gas and spew it everywhere. So we were talking earlier, Rachel, about um, like how. In, in in the real world, we're starting to ration uh, carbon usage, which is not really a, like a resource people use directly. And not green and glowing. And also, yeah, definitely not green and glowing. So, yeah, carbon is, at the moment, just uh, until recently, it was what we would call an economic externality. So it wasn't factored into the cost of things, into the economy at all, really. Um, and with carbon trading and carbon, carbon caps, that has become, it's been kind of brought into um, the production and the cost things so we now can factor it into and try give it more consideration when we're producing things and there's a cost to it um and as resources become more scarce i suppose there's the potential that other currently external um resources like air uh, not so much water that's quite helium. commercialized helium definitely there's a shortage of helium at the moment, well helium is non-renewable it's found in oil wells because it floats out the atmosphere and america's just fire selling all its stock for some unknown reason it can't be bothered to look after it what do we know that we don't what do they know we don't they don't have a they might hate squeaky voices that's possible isn't it an incredibly useful well, gas, it, though, it's apart in, from for balloons it is inert it it's very useful as a cryogenic because obviously it's got very low i say obviously because we all do <laughs> it has a very very low boiling temperature so when you make liquid helium you can use it to con- cool superconducting magnets down hmm. uh it's, it's got sort of more obscure things it is quite expensive so i think generally the superconducting magnets were useful but it's very inert you can't do much 
in it in fact i can't think of any reactivity it has so um we were trying to think of examples of um economic externalities which are which are rationed which are shown as being rationed in various works of science fiction so the excellent and scientifically accurate arnold schwarzenegger film total recall supposedly rations air yeah so there's or air is certainly commercialized okay. in um or it's controlled by a corporation. Oh, that reminds me of Spaceballs. Spaceballs? Spaceballs, Star Wars parody, isn't it? Is it Spaceballs? And uh, in it, they have Perrier. <laughs> which is Karen's See what they've done there. It, if you haven't seen it, it's a really, really bad Star Wars parody. But it, it did quite well when it came out. Okay. I'm sure some of our listeners will absolutely adore it because they watched it when they were five and it's that sort of humour. So, yeah, l- listeners, uh, if you if you love that and you hate us, write in. But also, if you can think of any other works of science fiction or fiction in general, perhaps excluding uh, In Time, uh, starring Justin Timberlake, which have um, rationing or commercialization of um, things we, can, we, we just consider byproducts or yeah. whatever, then write, write us an email and let, let us know. Justin Timberlake, what, do we have something against him? Um, oh, I, I think he was great in the social network, but I just I the only I was trying to think of works fiction where you are where something apart from food is rationed, um, and the only thing I could think of is his new film, which I possibly hastily presumed was going to be a bit terrible. Oh well, um, we can find out. Email us in if you if you know it's terrible or if you're psychic. I don't has it been released yet? Uh, yes. Yeah, so you no, don't have to be psychic. Well, you may have seen previews. We, we're happy to hear previews. And, um, yeah, this will be our final track of the show. Crow sitting on a dry stone wall Wondering just how far we'll fall Take our break too close to crawl When the walls come tumbling down He won't beg and he won't yield Make or break his fate is sealed When the walls come tumbling down When the walls come down When the sirens sound When the walls come tumbling Send this floor Key is turning in the
online camfm.co.uk and across Cambridge your station your camfm Hello and welcome back to Science of Fiction. If you've got any emails, do send them in soon because we've only got a few minutes left. So that tragedy, the, the, the hour's really flown. Yeah. So which track was that? That was uh, "When the Walls Come Tumbling Down" by John Burden from his excellent uh, album "Songs from the Floodplain," where he plays every single instrument on the entire album. Sorry, there's something weird going on with an iPhone on the other side of it. Sorry, so uh, random fruit flavor thing. Technology <laughs> confuses me. It's cute. Oh, it's for it's your notes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think Rachel, you briefly mentioned earlier that you'd uh, been reading Death of Grass. I did. Yeah, I just finished it, um, and it is, which is the one where all the grass species die in the world um, and so, so so in that the environmental pressure is really the, the the focus of the novel it's yeah I mean it is very much a novel about how people react to environmental pressures um, in, in this case not in particularly nice ways There's, mm. it's quite a brutal book it's a modern classic apparently but um, is it is it one of the sci-fi classic range or is it it's possibly it's definitely counted classified as sci-fi yeah because the sci-fi classic range books who haven't come across it like reprints of loads of classic Philip K. Dick and other people like that and there's some really good ones in there really, I think they're quite cheap Philip, Philip, Philip K. Dick you say yes I'm not segueing at all <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so in um, Death of Grass, the environmental pressure is very much the driving force behind the entire narrative, whereas in a lot of Philip K. Dick books, he works in environmental pressures in a much more subtle way. So he uses them as everyday pressures, uh, particularly on Mars, which he's particularly fond of Mars as oh, yeah. a um, new colony from Earth, essentially, as Earth is taken over by wars and famines and various overpopulation problems. Lots of people end up in, on Mars in Philip K. Dick's universe. Um, and so on Mars, there are normally in his books plenty of water issues. So there's not enough water for the population, things like that. I mean, this is the big problem with colonising Mars, well, apart from its distance, yeah. is the lack of water. Um, so I suppose the oh, what I think is one of the joys of his books is... The narrative itself is not driven by water loss at all. So people have to people have to work on irrigation or whatever, but it's not the only point. Exactly, of the it's a nice underlying um, theme, which is probably if environmental impacts are going to impact us, it's probably going to be more like that. It's going to be more niggles every day, gets slightly harder, not giant environmental catastrophes. Well, I think that's a good time to end it because we've only got thirty seconds <laughs> left of the show. <gasps> but um, so we'll be back next week. We're not entirely sure what we'll be on. Uh, we got a few leads, but we got them to get back on the email. Uh, there's also I'm doing Bright Club at the end of the week I'm organising it where we're going to get scientists and historians and people to do stand-up comedy at the Portland Arms and that's as I say search for Cambridge Bright Club and you find out about that but um, yeah do listen in next week at same time thank you same Rachel place. and thank you Rachel yes thank you for thank having you me I hope, I hope you all have a wonderful Sunday evening you, yep good night 97.2 camfm.co.uk your station your camfm <laughs>